0: hey welcome back to when Bad things happen to good people a podcast about censorship and the arts i am your humble narrator todd sullivan (laughs) with me is my horror show droog orrin barter (laughs) and we are about to finish up our look at a clockwork orange by anthony burgess We're done this book already it seems nuts it does seem really um,
1: really fast yeah
0: like uh, after spending like two months on um our first book because we were doing it every two weeks and because there were delays and because it was a longer book these last two ones um the handmaid's tale and uh this one a clockwork orange just seem to have flown by
1: well how many pieces do we break the handmaid's tale into four or five
0: no, it was only four, I think. Four,
1: yeah. So this one... And then
0: this one was three. Three. So even fewer episodes. Yeah. Although we'll have four after we do the film. Yeah. Um, but it, it just seems weird to like not even be a month into 2021 and we're done our first book. And I'm not even, <laughs> not even 100% sure yet what we're going to do next. But
1: uh, we'll have it figured out soon, I guess. Uh, how you been this week? Not too bad. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, things have calmed down a little bit at work. Um, oh that's good yeah i like how i'm just using this as like a like an audio (laughs) blog it's like yeah my work week's been pretty stressful but you know this one wasn't too bad it's like your weekly therapy session (laughs) it's like well i don't hate my father quite as much today as i usually do (laughs) tell me about your mother (laughs) um yeah Um, how about you
0: nothing really to report i don't think it's been a it's been a slow week um, well, those are not always a bad thing they're not and i'm not complaining um i am uh, i am currently unemployed so i have been maybe spending a little bit too much my uh, time sorry in relaxation mode rather than you know looking for work and being a productive member of society mode but uh, <laughs> i think it's it's hard coming out of like everything kind of grinds to a halt over the holidays mm-hmm. um whether you're working or not i think to some extent and it's especially when you don't have any responsibilities to dive right back into. Right. It can it can be easy to just kind of maintain that kind of slothful mindset that kind of creeps in, especially between like uh, Christmas and, and New Year's where like it's just like the week from hell that lasts forever, <laughs> but also you can never get anything done.
1: And then also, you know, during a pandemic, it's like, I could get up and go do something, but that would be unsafe. So I'm <laughs> going to be a be hero unsafe. and I'm going to yes, stay exactly.
0: home. Yeah. That's, that's, what that's what I'll tell myself <laughs> from now on. When I when I don't get out of bed until like noon, it's because I'm being a hero and not tempting myself to go outdoors.
1: <laughs> yeah, those, you know, uh, from 8 a.m. to noon when everybody else is out infecting each other.
0: I'm home safe. You're being saved. I'm, I'm doing exactly. my part.
1: Um, before we dive in, uh, are you drinking anything tonight? Mm-hmm. Yes, my lovely girlfriend was kind enough to go and get me a nut brown ale from Spinnakers. I think I've had this on here before. It's freaking delicious, though. Yeah, it does sound like something you've mentioned before. You sound like something I've mentioned before.
0: I am probably <laughs> someone you've mentioned before. <laughs> um, I've got, uh, I've got, I'm t- drinking a new one for me right now. It's craft stout from Parallel Forty Nine. Okay. And it is apparently nitrogenated. Oh,
1: Parallel forty nine. I thought they made coffee.
0: They well, maybe they they definitely make beer as well. Oh, okay, cool. Sorry, I cut you off. I, well, I don't know if they make coffee. I can't commit to that. But, well, they do. Uh, they they definitely make coffee. Yeah. Uh, but it is nitrogenated. I don't know what that means. But um, it's actually really a lot like um, Guinness.
1: Yeah, Guinness is is nitro nitrogen as well instead of CO two. Okay,
0: okay, that explains yeah. that. It gives it a um, like a more th- a thicker, mm-hmm. I guess, frothier...
1: I think it's heavy. Uh, I think nitrogen's heavier than air. Or no, I no, guess that it would make be. sense. No, that wouldn't make I don't know. sense. Nah, that's not right. I'm not a chemist. Don't listen to me. <laughs> uh, that would be... Uh, would that be a chemistry? Or would that be physics? I think both. I think sometimes they overlap. But again, Science? I, I'm not a teacher, so I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs>
0: Uh, oh, and after after my uh, Craft Stout, which is about halfway done, mm-hmm. I have, from Parallel 49, I have the Salty Scot, which is a sea-salted caramel scotch ale.
1: Okay, I've had that one. How did I not make that connection between Parallel 49 oh. Brewing and Parallel 49 Coffee before? I don't know. But I have had that one. That's a pretty good one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about this book. Okay. Um, so we're covering part three, the final seven chapters today, and there's a couple of Things I wanted to note before we got into the details about the book. Uh, and these are things that sort of came to me um, as a result of listening to the podcast last week when I was editing it.
1: Okay,
0: uh, I wanted to make note, because I was talking about how we are getting close to feeling some degree of sympathy or empathy with Alex. And then I thought, like, I don't know the exact difference between those words. So I thought I'd look it up. So, sympathy uh, is feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune. Okay. And I don't think I am sympathetic towards Alex. But empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Right. So, I think I could be empathetic towards him, at least as of the start of part three. Okay. The other thing I was thinking about... Um, In regards to, like, the references to what seemed to be, like, Nazi propaganda films and uh, Japanese torture films from, like, World War II. Mm -hmm. It got me thinking about the fact that this book was written in 1962 and how that's only, like, 20 years after World War II. Yeah. And so, it's coming from a place where... Pretty fresh. And I think uh, uh, the question in a lot of people's minds coming out of World War II is, like, what could drive people to behave like that? What could make someone do these kinds of horrible things that normal people wouldn't think they would be able to do? And I almost feel like this book, in a way, is answering the opposite question. Like, if, if someone can go down a certain set of paths to end up doing evil things. Like what is the path that you could force someone to do good things? I don't know if that was on Burgess's mind or not. It's just sort of a connection that I made thinking about the fact that this is not far removed from the atrocities of world war two.
1: Okay. And he did write this when he was in Europe, correct?
0: I believe so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know if I really made the connection. Um, I do not think he was really making a statement about the war. I think that might've just been imagery that was, you know, um, available, accessible to the audience. Right. Um, and still is to this day, which is a testament to, um, how horrific (laughs) that, you know, that stuff was. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think it was more just a, a moral kind of, uh, weird little um experiment that he did this book um i think he i don't know if he was really trying to answer any questions or um yeah i i just feel like he was just playing with some ideas Mm -hmm. and just bringing up some points about you know the penal system and and about right and wrong and about religion like he really does cover a lot of topics in this book and maybe, yeah. you know what, and maybe maybe war was one of them as well. And I just didn't pick up on that one.
0: Well, not so much war. I don't think it's war so much as, like I said, it's, it's the idea of, like, it's the opposite of how did someone become evil. It's how do we make someone good. Right. Um, all right. So, chapter one of part three, we once again open with the familiar words. What's it going to be then?
1: Hey. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even notice that until you pointed it out.
0: Oh, what, that it was how that each chapter started?
1: Yeah. Or how each yeah, section usually, started, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's usually in there a few times, too.
1: It's a, it's uh, in this last one a lot. Especially, yeah. like, the first part of this this third part, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Alex is now free, and he's trying to figure out what he's going to do with his first day on the street. Uh, so he goes and gets some breakfast. Um heads to this, like, little diner, and, you know, as he goes in, I think he noticed that there's a few people... We're kind of mistreating the waitresses a little bit and even just watching them do that makes him a little a little ill mm-hmm. um, So he's very polite. He sits down and you know very politely orders I think like toast and jam and and chai. Uh, and then after breakfast he heads uh, back to his parents' house where he's going to surprise them with the fact that he's out on the street again. Thinking they're going to be so happy to see their little Alex. Yeah, but they've got a surprise for him. <laughs> they've rented out his room to... Uh, Joe. 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 <laughs> hey, Joe, what do you know? Um, and Joe, like, Alex has still got a key to his house. So he, like, you know, pops the lock open and comes in, on in. And Joe is like, who's this? What are you doing here? <laughs> Get outside and knock, you ingrate. And, of course, uh, Alex's mother's first thought is that he's broken out of prison. <laughs> right, um, yeah. Because he did not take any time to, like, alert his family that he was coming. And uh, I don't think, you know, he left his family with the most positive impression of who he was Yeah, at the end of part one. Um, so, yeah, we find out that Joe uh, has been leasing or renting a, a Alex's room. Uh, Alex's room is now like all of his stuff is gone. It's been sold by the police to like pay for the care of the cats.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the out of all the things. Killed. To pay for the care of the cats. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean, maybe the, to help pay for the funeral. I could see that, but help <laughs> pay for the care. Yeah, no, of it was the like cats.
0: there's this new, new law where like if you've committed a crime, um, the victim of the crime can like take your stuff to like, <laughs> you know, compensation. And Alex is like, well, but the woman I the woman I attacked died. She doesn't need my money. And there's like, well, the cats though, (laughs) they needed to take care of the cats. They could find a place to keep it safe. So all of Alex's belongings were sold just to care for some cats, um, including his, uh, his record player. He was,
1: he was very sad about that, but really
0: looking forward to getting some tunes in his ears. I don't want to spoil that one. Yeah. Um, So after some, you know, debate about whether Joe, you know, should leave or what, he's not leaving his parents are like well we can't kick him out you've got a like we've signed a two-year contract with him Alex kind of breaks down and cries showing kind of the first real emotion other than like only at his own suffering though that's true that's yeah. a very selfish emotion <laughs> it's like he's um, like oh
1: no although again, are happy to me boo Sorry. yeah
0: although again like he's he's a 17 year old kid too yeah so like he's he's found out that like his family's basically like oh hey we're hey we're not terribly glad to see you out of prison (laughs) and no you can't come stay here sorry dude you're kind of shit out of luck um which again like we can kind of understand where they're coming from but you can also kind of empathize with with alex as a 17 year old being essentially kicked out of his home by his parents and some stranger named joe (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> who is like um, the same age as his parents, but like, yeah, acts exactly. like their son? He's like, they've treated me like their own son. And he's like, you're about the same age as them.
0: <laughs> um, so Alex is like, fine. Uh, you're never going to see me again and
1: leaves. That's such a teenager thing to say. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Although actually for me, that's more like, you know, eight or nine.
1: Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. You, you, I remember... and, you and I must've had very different teenage years. It, oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I remember trying to run away from home when I was like, I don't know, probably like eight or something. And like just getting to the end of the block. Why? Your, no, parents I have, are,
1: your parents are great. I have
0: no idea where I'm going to go, huh?
1: Your parents are great. Why would you run oh, away from home?
0: I don't remember why. <laughs> I probably wasn't allowed to do something.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Alex Alex runs away mad.
0: Yeah. Uh, and uh, and that takes us into
1: chapter two where he heads back to the and Milk Bar. Mm. Uh, has th- there was some... one thing in, in chapter one that I wanted to mention. Oh, um, he okay. does—he does mention uh, something about uh, finding two shining clean syringes, which was interesting. Ah, yeah. yeah. Was that that was just on the street though, right? That was on the street, but I did make a note of it because I think that was like the first real reference to hard drugs that wasn't in milk.
0: Yeah, and now that you mention that too, like when he talks about his. His like his trunk or his case of belongings that were sold, he does mention that there were syringes in there as
1: oh, well. Oh, that's what I was talking... I think that's what I was talking about. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, that's what it was. Because um, he was listing off that he had, like... He had drugs and he had alcohol and he had two good syringes and... Yeah, uh, yeah. It it does open up that door to wonder what other kind of shenanigans Alex was getting into in his youth. That, that, he, that didn't he didn't see.
1: talk about in the first part.
0: Yeah, because he only really saw, like, sort of two days of his life, right? Right. Um, so leaving mom and dad's place, he heads off to the Korova milk bar, uh, has himself some milk plus. Um, and then he has this kind of a, like a vision of, <laughs> I wasn't following it at all, but it's like, he, he started seeing like people turning into gods or God being there and then other gods. Well, no,
1: first he saw this, like this, this point of silver and then it consumed the whole world. And yeah. 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 God, started with the silver. Yeah. Thing, yeah. And then God arrived. And yeah, it was, it was pretty, he was flying pretty high.
0: But by the end of it, like everyone was looking at him and and shaking their heads like they were very disappointed.
1: Well, he was also like, he he even mentioned that he was murmuring, like he was talking out loud while he was tripping Mm. and uh, not really making a lot of sense. He's, he was like, I would say this and this and yeah. So I think he was like probably making a scene. It'd be interesting to see how they played that in the movie.
0: Uh, I don't, yeah, my, my gut feeling is he doesn't go back to the Corovin milk bar in the movie, but. What? Okay. Could be wrong. I hope you are. Um, but, but basically at the end of the vision, he comes to the conclusion that he's going to kill himself. Right. Then he realizes that, like, if he, if he even thinks about doing it with his knife. He gets The idea of doing violence kicks in the nausea reaction and everything else. So
1: he's so, got to so come up with some soft, nice, gentle way to die, right? And That's, because
0: there's no internet,
1: he goes to the library. He goes to the library.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Finds a medical book. Is uh, browsing through that, but it's just pictures of wounds, and that makes him feel yucky.
1: Yeah, I had a note about that actually, and I had a note uh, just before that, and I thought this was funny. Um, so he's he's I don't know how the sentence where it, where it comes from. Oh yeah, I can actually do that. I can click on it, dude. Google Play Books is amazing. So <laughs> <laughs> so he says here. Uh, I'll give you just kind of the the brief. Uh, <clears throat> oh, that is a really long sentence. Holy shit, that might be a run on sentence. You know, but I'm not gonna. We're not here to. We're not the grammar police. That's not. That's we're not, not the grammar, grammar police here. Yeah, that's yeah. not our job here. Um so that they could not really be of stone or bronze really and the eyes or glazies so like we're at the very pretty much the end of this book and he's like you know what maybe I'll tell you what a couple of these words are I'll just describe a couple of these <laughs> yeah we will just talk about that. He said there. glazies probably like 15 times in this book so far without any explanation and he yeah. decides to do it in the third part I thought that was funny Um and I did have another note here Right, so we're talking about the... When he looks at the photographs and he gets sick, uh, I made a note here saying that, uh, yeah, he's not going to be a terrible member of society. He's not going to hurt people. But he could also, uh, in his current state, ever become a doctor or a surgeon.
0: Yeah, cut his hand open.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Without getting violently ill, yeah. (laughs) Right. Uh, But I thought that was interesting. Like, uh, you know, we, we... we watch him go through the transformation, through this, uh, this mental um, bombardment, basically. Uh, yep. And the attempt is to make him not want to hurt or murder or anything like that. But there's all these other um, consequences to that as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was interesting that, you know, to be not averse to gore is probably something that people who are violent have, but also not being an averse to gore is also something that, you know, doctors and surgeons and healers have. Yeah. So. I think, and I don't know necessarily if, if this is something that Burgess
0: intended, but I, I think this is something that happens in science a lot is where, you know, they discover something or they discover a process, you know, without necessarily much thought to... What the overall consequence of that is? Right.
1: What's that famous um, line? It's like we were too busy asking ourselves if we could. We didn't ask ourselves if we should. Or yeah, I, I think then, I think I butchered that really badly.
0: Well, and I don't know where that originates, but it it, it comes to the idea that I like think science.
1: Was, in I think it was Jurassic Park.
0: Probably yeah, that seems like Jurassic Park. <laughs> <I think so. laughs> that, that famous that famous science text, but um, but it's that concept, and it's not just that we were too busy. It's that science isn't. It's not a question science is interested in asking. Should or shouldn't is has nothing to do with science. Um, it's just, can we? Right? And so they figured out this way where they could do something, which is stop someone from breaking the law. Right. Without giving much thought to long-term consequences. And partly because I think this is literally the first time that they have done this process on someone and then put them back out into the world.
1: Right. Um, I did find the quote. It is from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um, and, it, uh, and it's probably from... Uh, Jeff Goldblum.
0: Jeff Goldblum, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should.
0: Um, so he, he can't find out how to kill himself in the medical book, so he turns to the Bible for comfort.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, like
0: he did in uh in prison.
1: But all I found was yeah. smiting seventy times and seven a lot and a lot of Jews cursing and tall chalking uh, yeah. each other. <laughs> <laughs> um that was that was my that, that's my favorite explanation of the Bible to date, by the way. Yeah yeah that's fair <laughs> okay sorry go ahead
0: um and eventually he just starts sort of shouting about how he's frustrated, how he wants to kill himself and how miserable he is. And there's a guy sitting next to him who's like repeatedly telling him to shush. Uh, and then there's somebody else like across the table from him who's like asking him what's wrong. After a few more shouts, the guy who's shushing him looks up from his book and, uh, and recognizes Alex. Mm-hmm. And it's the guy we encountered way back in part one who had a bunch of books Alex ripped apart and then ripped the guy's clothes off and beat the shit out of him. And this Cause guy, fuck that, like, guy. Cause fuck that guy, because <laughs> fuck that guy. Well, now it's about to be fuck Alex, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, this guy is like, not only does he recognize Alex, it's like this is the guy who like destroyed these rare gemology books or something. Because apparently that's what he had these books that you couldn't even get copies of anymore. And there are many a patron in the library who are like, Oh, that guy. Oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> like cause... he tells that story every day when he goes to the library. He's <laughs> like yeah, I exactly. used to have these beautiful books on gemology. Well
0: it wasn't him, they were library books. Oh, oh well that makes sense. He, he had taken them from the right. library. And that's why all of the library patrons are mad at him, because they're <laughs> all because they couldn't get know, the constant... books
1: either. Yeah. Right,
0: nobody can. These are rare books that have been destroyed by Alex. <laughs> oh, and no, Now we've got the rising of the library people to take out.
1: Revenge of the nerds.
0: So he's suddenly attacked by like what seemed like from his description, like a bunch of like 60 or 70 year old men.
1: (laughs) The revenge of the geriatric nerds. The
0: revenge of the geriatrics. And uh, of course, Alex can't do anything to defend himself. One of the librarians, you know, kind of sees what's going on and comes back and is like, well, if you guys don't settle down, I'm going to have to call the police. To which Alex is like, please,
1: please. <laughs>
0: um, and they do. And uh, eventually and the police up. kind of arrive and Alex manages to kind of pull himself away from the um, the squad of oldies. Um, so after three opens with the, the police kind of beating on the old guys, helping Alex get, get away. But after a moment... The police that have arrived to help Alex also recognize him,
1: <laughs> which is uh, going to be a recurring thir- or theme. It is, third. It is. It is going to be a
0: recurring theme. This is. But it's that book like it's the? This is Alex's um, no good, very bad day or something. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's Dim and Billy Boy.
1: Billy Boy. I know Billy Boy was the droog with the other. Malchicks, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, He was the one
0: that they got in a fight with after Billy the was the one that, that was the ten-year-old girl,
1: right? And he was the one that Alex cut all up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I
0: mean, Billy Boy got away. I think it was one of Billy Boy's um, drugs that Alex cut up there and left bleeding on the floor. Okay. So they decide that they're going to have some fun with Alex. What was the and What was the of,
1: word they used?
0: Oh, oh, um. Yeah, I don't remember. But they basically drag him out drive him out to the middle of nowhere. They decide not to take him into the station or anything. They drive him out to the middle of nowhere and uh, and have their way beating him up.
1: Now, okay, the way that one was worded, I, I was a little confused at first. I thought that maybe they were having their way with him in a different way. At first, oh, like at first, you meet, Yeah, or? at first, like just the way the, the that whole series of events was worded, I was like, Oh, okay, what's wait, what's happening here? The driver is watching them do what now? Um, but then they say they get their last couple of tall chalks on, which I know is a hit now. So I was like, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, they're beating the shit out of them. But yeah, at, yeah, at no, first just... you didn't you didn't you weren't confused there? I wasn't, no. Oh, it's but... just me. My am I the only brain that went there?
0: Well, I mean, it's entirely possible. Like, because half the time when you're reading this book, you don't know exactly what's happening <laughs> right. because of the language. Yeah. It's but you know, it's even funny. When... It's funny
1: that the weird language was a thing that brought it back home to me. It's like, okay, they're beating him up. They're tall chalk. <laughs> oh, they're <them>. tall
0: chalking again. <laughs> yeah, of I know what that is. They are. Yeah. It's not none of this in out in <laughs> out. Ugh. Um. And then yeah, they just abandon him in the middle of nowhere.
1: Uh, In the Um, freezing rain, which I gotta say, if there ever was a time I felt sympathy for Alex, it was this Mm -hmm. moment, because freezing rain is the shits.
0: Yeah. And I think, like, this has just been a bad day. Mm -hmm. Like, one thing, you know, to have to defend yourself against the geriatrics. (laughs) Um,
1: And not being able to. Just, and in like, a
0: way, you know, you could argue that he brought that one on himself yeah. by, like, fucking with that guy before.
1: Yeah. And
0: I guess, I mean, he did fuck with Billy Boy, and he was mean to Dim, but it that felt a little bit... I guess he cut up Dim's hand, too. Never mind. Maybe yeah. I don't have... Well,
1: no, like, yeah, no, he definitely... But for those assholes to be cops... Yeah. I mean, it would be as bad as Alex being a cop, basically. Yeah, totally. Like, they're just, they're <laughs> fucking assholes. And clearly, that's a path that
0: he could have taken had he not ended up in jail, because those guys ended up as cops. Yeah,
1: yeah, they were, yeah. Sorry. So, I uh, just
0: said, yeah, a bunch of, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, st- staggering around uh, in the freezing rain, looking for uh, a place to, to, to be safe, mm-hmm. looking for home, home is what he keeps thinking. And this... This is where I, I think I would, I, I think I understand now why he Burgess made a big point of, uh, in part one when he goes out to the writer's house, he made a real big deal about how the, the word home was outside of that house, and I was like, I don't know why is that there? <laughs> it's just like who, how do people put home outside of their house? Like, I could see a sign that said like home sweet home right. or. You know, not just live, straight laugh up. love yeah. or just not home Eat, pray, like love. a label. Um but Alex is out looking for home and he stumbles across this building that has the label home on it. And
1: uh Now I wonder if that was something that, that uh he meant to do. Did he write home in the first part and then call back to it, knowing he was going to do that, or was he like trying to find a way to connect? His struggle, his look for a place, and then he went back and wrote that there was home written. Uh, I mean,
0: place. I don't know what the order of it would have been, but I think certainly it was brought up early on so that it would be referenced at the end, mm-hmm. yeah, in connection with Alex looking for home as a as someplace safe to be. Um, knocks on the door. Um, guy answers the door. At some point and I can't remember exactly when this happened because I don't have notes anymore. I just sort of stopped taking notes towards the end of the book. (laughs) Um, But this guy brings Alex in uh, to help him out, um, warms him up, gives him some food, and Alex realizes that it's the guy, it's the writer um, who he assaulted in part one. The writer who was
1: writing A Clockwork Orange.
0: A Clockwork Orange, yes. Um, But also the writer recognizes Alex not initially as the guy who assaulted him, but as the the guy who went through the Ludovico technique. Yeah. Because the writer is sort of one of these, um, I mean, it it seems like there's like a a very sort of right-wing government in place in the story, and um, the writer is more of a left-wing person. He thinks this whole Ludovico technique is wrong. He thinks um, uh, the way that the government is like stomping down on people's rights in order to try to get crime under control is wrong. Mm -hmm. And he wants to try to help Alex or use Alex, depending on your point of view to fight back against uh, the, the government's current strategy towards crime prevention. So he does feel sympathy uh, for Alex's condition and wants to try to, you know, make sure it doesn't happen to anybody else. And he is very, very
1: kind to Alex. He brings him, he in he very gets kind. some chai, or gives him some chai. Yeah. Um,
0: feeds him, feeds
1: him, gives him a bed.
0: Yeah, and even like when Alex and and through this chapter, it's it's almost the first time that we've seen Alex choosing to do good things. Because remember, Alex like offering to do the dishes, mm-hmm. um, just these little things that are kind of ordinary for people. Like when if you've been brought in by someone and fed you would probably offer hey can i do the dishes for you you don't have to do that let me help um and it's it's interesting that i don't remember if the book made a distinction that he was doing those things for selfish reasons or if he really was trying to do something good
1: i think he really did appreciate the kindness that was the sense i, think, I got too i think too. that he he understood that this person didn't have to do any of this for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can see that. Um,
0: so I think this gets us to the end of the fourth chapter. Are we there already? Maybe not. Maybe the end of the third. No, it must be. We must be.
1: Must be, I guess. Yeah.
0: Um, <clears throat> yeah. So next chapter, um, Alex wakes up. Uh, still at the guy's place. Tries to find out uh, who he is, so he pokes around um, his rooms a little bit and finds uh, a copy of the uh, a Clockwork Orange book and finds that his name is, it's F. Alexander, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: which Alex notes is another Alex. Um, shortly after that, um, F. Alexander brings in a bunch of his sort of
1: leftist friends it almost seems like they've got this like underground plan to thwart the government or something like they're in the yeah like they they have like a an immediate outlet or something and they're trying to get he, the government out
0: it does seem like they're they're like um he's got a group of friends who are actively trying to work against the government yeah or, okay sorry uh, not overthrow, overthrow the they're government they're
1: not like violent they're just yeah no no they're trying to get support from the people to oust the current government. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and F. Alexander obviously has this idea to use Alex towards that. And so he brings these people in to be like, this is that kid who went through this process. This is how they fucked him up. Um, how can we, how can we utilize this? And as they're talking... Alex starts making some slips of his language. At first, it's just a couple of NADSAT phrases that he drops that F. Alexander recognizes. Uh, and then, of course, Alex is like, oh, shit, that's maybe something I said when I insulted him. <laughs> and raped his um, wife. Oh, and yeah, we didn't wife. talk
1: about um, the fact that his wife died
0: yes. afterwards. Yes, that's true. That's actually a really, really, really important uh, element of this uh, part of the book, yeah. So yeah, uh, F. Alexander's wife died. Um,
1: <laughs> Did they really explain the, why? Like, was it was it injuries, or was it like just died of like the stress? Or I don't think I don't so, they really explain that.
0: Yeah, I got the sense that it was from the trauma of it. Whether that means, like you said, the the injuries, whether like she herself couldn't handle the memory of the experience and took her own life. Right. Um, yeah. But it's it seemed like he, at, at least he was blaming the trauma of the event. Um, and one of the things he talked about is like how 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 difficult it was for him to live there where they had lived together, but how he also didn't want to go someplace that would be without her memory. Right. Which is, you know, here's this guy who's, in a way, actively torturing himself every day by remaining in this house where his wife died, but needing to do that because otherwise it's like she's not around at all. But it it definitely paints this picture of a guy who is still – he is still traumatized by what happened the night that Alex attacked as well as the aftermath of that.
1: And I think he started maybe suspecting Alex – when he mentioned that he had heard of a clockwork orange I so when that came
0: up, my first thought was, okay, this is when Alex gets found out yeah because my sus- my suspicion was that the author had never published a clockwork orange yeah um I don't I don't I don't think he was suspicious maybe he was maybe he was I could see that being an argument but I think he would be I don't know I feel like he would be less verbal about his increasing suspicions in this chapter. Mm-hmm. If he had started to get suspicious after the mention of a Clockwork Orange, I don't think he'd been like, huh, those words seem familiar to me. Right. Although it also might be that that's the only way that Burgess could communicate that the author was figuring it out because of course we only ever see the story from Alex's perspective. Yeah. Um, but yeah, gradually he begins to kind of um, figure out that this, that Alex is the one who um, attacked him. Um, I think it starts to solidify after Alex calls someone dim. And that triggers F Alexander's memory of the guy called dim who would be with Alex night, when yeah. they attacked. Yeah. Um, eventually I think, Is it this night or – because basically at the end of this chapter or at the beginning of the next chapter, um, they send Alex off um, to a new place. They're going to take – they're supposedly going to take care of him Mm -hmm. um, until they can sort of use his story to help undermine the government. And F. Alexander sends him off with a few of his friends and they drive him out to this apartment – uh, when they get there, the, uh, the people that are with Alex just sort of suddenly ask Alex, yeah. like, are you the one that attacked him? It's, it's fine. It won't go any further than us.
1: And I feel like, I feel like F Alexander want, like asked them to ask him that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what I, that's, I, I felt like he had pieced some of the pieces together and he was like fairly certain. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I, I think they were absolutely lying when they said it wouldn't get back to him. Yeah,
1: <laughs> no, definitely. Right?
0: Um, but at this point, you know, Alex is kind of in their hands and uh, and I don't know, like... He's gullible. He's, he's gullible, but is this also maybe like an attempt to also do something good by fessing up to it? And I mean, he fesses up to it and also says like he's paid, like he did his time in prison and uh and then he did the Ludovico technique, like and that technically is was part of his sentence. You yeah, know, but he didn't he never of... did
1: get arrested for what he did to to that man. Oh so
0: I, yeah, no, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point.
1: He got arrested for the only the one thing, which was um The cat lady killing yeah. the cat lady. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's true. Um Yeah. Okay, so yeah, they 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 tell him that they're gonna take care of him. And that he's in good hands, and that he's going to make a difference, and he gets the feeling like, I think he does feel like he's going to be kind of held there. Um, oh, I didn't think that.
0: Yeah, I got the sense that um, that he felt safe in a way that, like, and again, you know, he spends a lot of time talking about like the um, where he's staying. You know, like he he Mm -hmm. made reference to like how badly cramped the prison cell was and how big an upgrade it was uh, when he got to uh, the place where they were going to do the Ludovico technique on him. Uh, Again, you know, it's this place is small um, with two bedrooms and but then also sort of just a single kind of living area. Um, But again, I I got the sense that he was like, this is going to be my place. This is where I'm going to be safe. And I'm going to help these guys, you know. Bring down the government and make sure that not bring down the government, but you know what I mean? Like undermine the government, yeah. make sure they can't do this to somebody else. Yeah, I
1: see. <laughs> you did this say I was like, bring down the government, but it's like bring no no, down. they're just trying to undermine it, yeah. Um yeah. I've Sorry, I have
0: you. armed insurrection in my head. For <laughs> um so yeah, he does go and lie down, has a lovely little sleepy weep. <laughs> sleepy. Uh
1: and then wakes up to some music playing. Which normally would have been a beautiful thing for Alex, but this yes,
0: time... real horror show. Not so much. Yes, because, of course, he cannot handle music anymore without feeling nauseous and getting a pain in the Gulliver. All of which um, F. Alexander knows because he's read the articles about Alex. Yeah. Uh, and that is who is behind the musical assault... Uh, Alex finds he's locked into the apartment; can't get out.
1: Well, locked in his room. To sort of- locked, like, yeah, locked
0: in. His oh, is it room. just the room? Yeah, he's locked That's in fair. his room.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: it's locked from um, the outside.
1: He can't open it.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh no, but I thought I seem to recall him like looking at. There were a couple of uh, 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 brochures on the table. I thought he looked at.
1: No, that wasn't. Uh, that was a different time.
0: No, because that's what inspires him to jump out the window. Yeah, so... Um, what I vidied... He looks down um, at, at the table, I think. What I vidied was the Slovo death on the cover of a like pamphlet, even though it was only death to the government. And like it was fate, there was another like Malenki booklet, which had an open window on the cover, and it said, Open the window to fresh air, fresh ideas, a new way of living. Uh, and that's what inspires him to jump out the window. Seeing the window on the pamphlet wide open as he's listening to this music.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. Um, So he's just locked in. He's locked in. Yeah. Okay. I think he's locked in
0: the apartment. Gotcha. Um, I could be wrong. Like it could be that those pamphlets were in his room too. It really doesn't matter. Um,
1: (laughs) No, it does. We have to be, we have to be perfect. It does. We have to be. Everything has to be absolutely correct all the time.
0: All right. Email us uh, if you are, uh, (laughs) let us know if you're on team bedroom or team apartment. Uh, email us your thoughts. We will read them maybe on the live episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, bad things happen at gmail.com. So he leaps out the window and. Uh, he doesn't die. Sucks at killing himself.
1: He wants to die, but he doesn't die. Yeah. Uh, but he bangs um, himself up pretty damn good.
0: Yep. And ends up in the hospital.
1: No, I don't think he was in a hospital. He was in some room somewhere. He even mentions that. Uh, well, I guess that's He true. thought like he he's... like he woke up because he had like there was like the blood um, in an IV going into him, or was it blood or fluids? I don't know, one or the other. And uh, it was Kravy. It was Kravi, Yeah. Yeah. And then he he does mention that at first he thinks he's in a hospital, but then he realizes that he's not, and he flashes has a flashback to when he was a kid. And apparently he was sick as a kid, and he spent some time in the hospital.
0: Yeah, diphtheria or something. Yeah.
1: Which maybe that's why his parents were, like, were so tiptoey around him.
0: Because they thought he saw that diphtheria?
1: <laughs> no, because they, like, they almost lost their little boy, so. Maybe, yeah. That's yeah. a good point. What is diphtheria? Is, wait, is, like, that is a life-threatening illness, isn't it? I don't know. All right. I should have Googled that, too, eh? <laughs> diphtheria. I feel like that's something you die of on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> that's dysentery. <laughs> I'm pretty sure diphtheria is it too. It's a serious infection caused by strains of bacteria called Corinobacterium. Corinobacterium. Mm. bacterium? Diphtheriae. Diphtheriae. I know how to I'm say gonna- these I'm words. Gonna- that make toxins, poison... It is
0: also known as the klebs
1: loffler bacillus. <laughs> oh, indeed. Indeed. CDC recommends vaccines for infants, children, teens, and adults to prevent diphtheria. Hmm. Can lead to difficult breathing, heart failure, paralysis, and even death. That sounds all pretty bad. None <laughs> of those things sound great.
0: No, they don't. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you're right. It's I huge. Think, I think you're right. He was probably in some kind of a government facility, because... Um, The government is definitely trying to clamp down on all of the negative, uh, like material that's coming out around the Ludovico technique, yeah, because that's the sense that Um,
1: I got. Like, um, because he was in this bed for quite some time, and I think that the exactly what uh, F. Alexander and um, all of his cohort said they were going to do, uh, they did, and yeah, sorry, continue. Well, so
0: here's what I think. Is interesting is I I think that once they figured out, once F. Alexander figured out who Alex was, mm-hmm. his plan was to drive Alex nuts to the point where he killed himself. Yeah. Um, and that his death following the Ludovico technique would have looked so bad on the government. Yeah. Right? But...
1: He didn't die. <laughs> and so now now the government... He couldn't do the, the one th- thing that F. Alexander and himself wanted
0: to do. <laughs> wanted. See, and now the government is working with him. They're like promising him a job once he gets better. Um, they've now, they've done brain surgery on him to get rid of what the Ludovico technique did. I got. I have two reasons for thinking that Um, He had brain surgery, and one of them is pretty much what I would say the evidence is. So, like, he asks at one point if he did have, you know, if they messed with his brain, and the nurse kind of is like, you know, whatever they did, it was good for you or whatever. Um, But there's a reference to, like, later on after the bandages are off his head and his hair is growing back. Right. They don't shave your head unless you're getting brain surgery.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. No, yeah, yeah, I, Um, I, I understand. So whether or not,
0: you know, the brain surgery was initially to deal with damage that was done when he jumped or whether the whole purpose was to, like, reverse the Ludovico technique, um, there was definitely some brain surgery that's happened. Um, Now, uh, there is a point in this chapter where some doctors come in with, like, flashcards of, like, horrible, violent crime stuff on them. And, and show them Daleks to like, what's this? What's this? And uh, he, he's answering questions and he feels just fine. You know, so he's he's been cured
1: of whatever they did to him. And when he talks to his parents, it almost seems like he's much worse. Oh, that scene. Yes, yeah. that God. <laughs> right. Yeah. So his parents come in. They're all glad to see him. They're all sorry about everything that happened. They've kicked Joe out. Sure. Yeah,
0: it's not just that they're glad to see him. They'll they're coming back like like a a, a dog who just shit in the corner. And they're like, <laughs> oh god, please, please. Cause I think to an extent, like they're feeling somewhat responsible for his attempt to kill
1: himself. Right. And I think and that also might tie back to uh, the tip diphtheria thing a little bit too, right? Like they almost lost their boy again.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, and and here he is in another, if not hospital, but at least a medical environment that's going to, you know, bring that memory back.
1: And then he even says to his dad, he's like, you know, if I'm going to, I might come back. I'm not saying I'm yeah. coming back. I might come back. But if I do, things are going to be different. Yeah. You're going to know who's, like who's in charge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, holy um, shit. What but the, the,
0: the funny thing about Joe here, though, too, is it's like Alex is like, well, what happens to Joe? It's like, Joe got the shit beat out of him by the cops. Yeah. <laughs> Just waiting around to like meet a girl is like, I got every right to be here, and they're like, No, you don't, and they beat the shit out of him. So Joe had to go home to re- recover, um, had to give his job over to somebody else, so uh they didn't have a renter in their room anymore. Uh everything everything kind of is turning up Alex. Everything at the end here.
1: does turn up Alex at the end. Which is a bit crazy. Um until well, I wouldn't even say until I think it was all pretty much going his way. I guess. Like he's got a um, he's got a like his job is dealing with music for the government, for archives. Yep. Yeah. And he gets paid good for it. He's got a new uh gang of Malchicks. Yep. Yeah. And he's the leader, which is what he always wanted to be. He's the oldest, everybody looks up to him. That's what he always wanted. So, here we are at chapter 7. Yeah.
0: Um which is the infamous chapter 7. Um. Here's the interesting thing about this chapter When this book was first published in the United States It did not contain chapter 7 Wait, what? When A Clockwork Orange was first published In the United States, chapter 7 wasn't part of the book It ended at chapter 6 Um Which is how the movie ends Okay, why? There's some dispute About why <laughs> Um the author apparently said that the publisher didn't want to put it in because they thought it was like too optimistic. The publisher later claimed that the author didn't want to put it in. No one is claiming to be responsible for it.
1: No, he did it. No, he did it. But, no, did it.
0: <laughs> but um and that's why the movie is the way it is because that's the version of the book that Stanley Kubrick read and he was a good way through the production of the film before even discovering that there was a, a final chapter and uh and at no point did he consider using it. And I I am I'm not a fan of the last chapter. And I'll tell you why. It it's not so much the content of it itself. It's that it it shouldn't be Chapter seven of part three, it should be an epilogue.
1: Okay, so you're not, you're, fact- you're, 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 so hold hold on, let me get this right. You're not upset that the chapter exists. You're just upset that it's not an epilogue. He breaks his own
0: structure. Right. Part one, or sorry, chapter one of part one, part two, and three all start with what's it going to be then, A? Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen in any chapter seven until this one, and it breaks his own established structure. What a prick. If he'd had a proper chapter seven, well, it's also the fact that nothing that happens in this chapter connects with anything else that happens in part three. It should be its own independent thing. It should be an epilogue. Yeah, I can see that.
1: But also, it doesn't that work would break up with as, the three parts of seven chapters. Well, then he was wrong one. to do that. Then he was wrong to do it that way. Shots fired. Shots fired. Shots fired. Okay. Um, okay.
0: I also kind of agree with supposedly the, the it's like, so basically what happens in the, in, in, in chapter seven of part three is Alex, as you said, he's got a good job at the government. He's got a, a new uh, gang of droogs. Um, it, it opens very much like the very first chapter where they're sitting at the Korova milk bar uh, getting ready for a night of shenanigans they they go out to like get up for some horror show criminality and Alex is like ah, i'm not really into this um and then he he wanders around for a while like trying to
1: well he find he, he pe- sends he sends all his drugs off to do their own thing and he yeah. Wants to be on. Well, his, first, his and coffee. this is, I
0: don't know, this struck me as really weird. Um, first, they go, like, beat some people up, and then they go to the um, to the bar that they regularly go to. And, uh, and so one of the drugs is like, you know, um, drinks for everyone. And Alex is like, well, hang on. I don't know if I want to buy drinks for everybody. This is my money that I worked hard for. I don't want to spend it on these people. So, like, already Alex is turning into a capitalist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh and then yeah, he sends his drugs on their way, and uh, and what was interesting about that um, is it was like they were they were planning to do something that night, and and one of them was like, oh well, we'll we'll wait for you till tomorrow to do it. And Alex is like, nah, do it tonight. I'm not really like do what you got to do. And then he goes like, yeah, he goes wandering around, kind of soul searching, um, ends up going somewhere for tea, and bumps into Pete, Pete the quiet one, his old drug Who's married now to a girl named Georgina, who
1: Who is quite,
0: (laughs) and is entertained (laughs) by the way Alex speaks. I like how she asked him, uh, did you, did you used to talk like that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it's, you know, Alex is like, how can you be married? You're like, you're so young. Um, and Pete's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm 20. Um, which is you know, still pretty young, I'm gonna say. Maybe like not maybe not guy. so much
1: in the sixties. Like I feel like the difference mm-hmm. between fifteen and twenty. I mean, it's still I mean, that's, that's a big gap. But I mean, yeah. like, yeah, I think a lot of people in the sixties when they were twenty, they were they were settling down. Yeah, for sure. Um
0: And from this conversation, all of a sudden Alex is like, should I be settling down? And by the end of it, he's like imagining Having a baby?
1: Well, no, I think he was and- thinking about it before because he had a picture of a baby in his pocket at the bar, which yeah. he accidentally Everyone drops out. Of- yeah, he actually drops the picture when he's pulling money out of his pocket to pay for drinks for everybody. And everybody's making fun of him, and he rips it up kind of like, ah, you know, I was just... Uh, yeah. But uh, it seems like this is something that's been weighing on him for a little while. I just feel like it's
0: it's way too much of a change too fast in the narrative. I mean, I understand that, you know, by this chapter, we've jumped forward about a year from the last chapter, Mm -hmm. but we're supposed to go from, you know, at the end of chapter six, Alex is like, he's super excited to be able to go out and murder and rape and do all this kind of shit again. And now one chapter later, he's out, you know, beating people up, but we're also supposed to be accepting that he's in the back of his mind, in the back of his mind, he's like, yeah, but should I settle down? And I I don't think I don't think it, it's earned. I don't think that kind of character jump is earned. I think it would have worked better as an epilogue. I still don't think it would have worked great. Okay. Um because I think there's um and I, I, I don't know if I'm if I've read this in an interview with Anthony Burgess or like sort of a, a take on the book, but I feel like I've read that the intent is that this kind of criminality and antisocial behavior is something that people inevitably just grow out of, and I, I don't agree with that take. I don't think that's a correct way of viewing the world. I'm sure in some cases it is, and may even be the case in the majority of situations where you've got teens who are acting out that eventually they're like, yeah, I'm I'm too old for this.
1: I think I think like the way that I've tried to take any lesson in this book has been to pull from either side and just bring it a little more to the middle, Mm. right? Like everything that they're trying to do to make society a better place, you know, the government, I think really you take that hard left and you pull that to the middle, actually hard, hard right, I guess, pull it to the middle. Um, You take this, this full free for all, Violence, ultra violence, rape, and murder. You pull that into the middle, and if you actually look at some of the things that are touched on, uh, I think they, there's a little bit more humanity there. I think he's he's purposely pushed things to the extremes on either side.
0: I think so. Yeah, this is definitely a book of extremes.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, there there is really no middle ground um, in this in this book. But I think if you if you bring it into the middle. And, uh, kind of the, the, the overall feeling that I got from the book was, uh, that we're not the mistakes that we've made, Mm -hmm. but we are accountable to the mistakes that we've made. And we do have the ability to change. And that's, that's the sense I got from the last chapter. Um, but obviously... You know, like you say, if someone's out murdering and, you know, beating people up and raping people, you know, you're not going it, to, it's not, I don't know. I'm not trying yeah. to say that they're redeemable or anything like that. Um, but I do like to think that people change. Mm-hmm. I do like to think that people have the capacity for change.
0: Well, and obviously, I think to an extent, the point there in that last chapter, too, is that Alex made the choice to change. It wasn't forced upon him.
1: That's, yeah. Yeah, and the, yeah, the freedom of choice. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um,
0: We're at the end. We're at the end.
1: I mean, we still have, have to watch book. the movie and then we do the live wrap-up, but
0: yeah. Yep, for sure. We're at the end of part three. Um, I guess we kind of try to, at this point, you know, if we talk about final thoughts of the book, it's about the book as a whole, so let's hold off on that maybe until we do the live episode. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking forward to watching the the movie and catching differences, similarities. Um, hang on. I got to go back to my notes because <laughs> okay. if you've made it this far, if you've been listening still, thank you for being here. Um, also,
1: what's wrong with you? We're going to continue you
0: <laughs> to our final episode of What the Fuck Is He Saying, <laughs> which we forgot to do at the beginning of oh, the yes, episode. Oh, yes. I
1: was going to say we should do that. Okay.
0: Yeah um i have another bunch um i got like seven here i
1: got a few as well
0: all right okay i got two i want to kind of do back to back okay one is ludys okay do you have any guesses about what that
1: might be uh i don't have that written down Ludies. spell it for me l-e-w-d-i-e-s ludys well that would be pornography
0: wouldn't it Uh, no. I originally thought it was ladies. Okay. Um, but then I saw it being used in ways that seemed to refer just to sort of general people.
1: okay. So it's like people. Yeah. Uh, and the other one I have is Melchick. Melchick. Yeah. No, I know what that one is. Yeah. That's like a young man.
0: Yeah. Um... Yeah, so originally I, I had Ludius as ladies and Malchik as man. I think they might be inseparable. I think they might refer to people in general, but I can't, I'm not sure.
1: Malchicks, I've only ever heard him use Malchik to describe um, a male, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. I sat in a dark corner to eat and peat. So I'm assuming peat means drink.
0: Must be, yeah.
1: Um, let's see what else I got.
0: I remember seeing that word come up but not I wasn't paying attention to the context of it.
1: Um Oh, maybe think. I I had a note here that it might be think. Oh,
0: yeah, that might make sense. Yeah.
1: Um clutch. K L O O T C H. Nope, don't remember that. I one. believe that is a key. Okay. I took out of my Carmen the little clutch that I had for opening up but I very oh. firmly fitted the clooch into the lock and turned. So, yeah, key. That would totally be a key. Uh, how about Malenki? Malenki. Little. Yeah. Yeah. So now, Nadsat. I thought that was yes. teenager.
0: Um, Nadsat's the name of the language.
1: I know it's the name of the language, but I also think, because it says right here... It's it's also...
0: Yeah, it's also... it's It's the... The word for the Russian suffix of teen.
1: Yeah. So, so like
0: the way that we would say
1: 17. Yeah.
0: Nadsat is that suffix, supposedly.
1: Yeah. So it says, but there was no Andy there now, brothers, only a scream and a creature of Nadsat teenage that is. Or sorry, um, a creech of Nadsat teenage that is malchiks and Ptitsas slushying some new <laughs> horrible pop song. There was a lot of slang in that one. What else you got? I have Slovo. Slovo. Um, Words, sentence, speech. Yes. I've got uh, Nagoi. Don't remember. Uh, Naked. Okay. Um, One that came up,
0: I think, just in part three. Emyas. Oh, I don't remember that one. Name. Oh, okay. It came up a lot when uh, F. Alexander had brought his people over. Right. And uh, yeah.
1: Um, kluve, Cluve. C L U V E. I don't know. I thought it might be a nose. Uh, I'll read it mm-hmm. in a sentence here. And he launched a bullshit Tolchuk right on my Cluve. Yep. That makes sense. Got any more? Zoobies. 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 I don't know what zoobies are. Teeth. Oh, okay. okay. Um, Pletchos. P-L-E-T-C-H-O-E-S. Oh. That's not clothing related, is it? I don't think so. I think it's shoulders. So he says, this kind of vec put his rookers around my plechos. And okay. And pulled me into this room. Sure. So th- okay. Yeah, I thought it was shoulders, or yeah, shoulders. I think that makes sense. Okay, I have one more. Sure. Uh, Idied Itied.
0: Nothing. Yeah. I I think it's hurried. Oh, okay. But it's definitely something I itied, like in relation I
1: to my naughty,
0: Could be. Yeah. I, I itied up the stairs. I itied down the stairs. Oh, okay. Um. I'm. I'm. It's about movement. I'm. I'm just out there guessing. That it's hurried. <laughs> that
1: makes sense. that makes sense. It could have been snuck.
0: It could have been stomped. <laughs> but it has to do with a a, a type of movement.
1: <laughs> I think that makes sense. I think hurried is a good, a good uh, translation. Yeah. Um, Anything else from you? Yeah. No, I don't have any more words, but I do do just have a couple more points that I want to make. um While yeah, I'm totally. looking at my notes here. Um. There was a line in this book that just hit a little different than the rest um F. Alexander speaks of what they did to Alex as mm-hmm. the thin end of the wedge mhm mhm I thought that was a very powerful analogy mhm totally um I really as soon as I read that like it that stuck out to me like that was like yep no, it just hit different um And just uh, we kind of glazed over the transition from, you know, like like they they did the brain surgery, but he he's given something to sign. And he says, not knowing what I was signing and not, oh, my brother's caring either. And I said, no, not again, Alex, because I that's (laughs) (laughs) that's
0: why got him into this whole
1: mess, right? That's a good point. (laughs) So I was expecting things to get. Um, possibly worse for him at this point. Yeah, um, I didn't realize that everything was going to come out smelling like roses for him. Um, but uh, yeah, so I wanted to make a note of that. And um, his buddy... If there's
0: one lesson that we should all take away from A Clockwork Orange, that's always read before signing.
1: <laughs> Get a lawyer. Get a lawyer, <laughs> Get a lawyer to lawyer. look at your
0: contracts for you.
1: Um, and then there was one other thing, just another point. I thought it was funny. Because every once in a while he'll throw in, you know, like, oh, whatever that means, right? Just to mm-hmm. just to kind of jab at you for having to put up with his bullshit. Um, but uh he talks about his when he meets his buddies Pete, and Pete says he's going to Greg's house, and he says Greg he's going to Greg's, whoever that is. <laughs> right. I just thought that was funny. Um I think though, there's um now that you mentioned the,
0: the second time it comes up, there's there's like a feeling of not being included, I think that Alex is is kind of lashing out at there, right? Like when when he mentions it in um when he's in prison and the guy uses a phrase or a word he's like whatever that means. But it's
1: because he it's, didn't know what it was.
0: Yes, and it's in in, in doing so, he's mm. not included in that that group. Right. Um, and much like with Greg, that's not something he's included
1: in. Okay. Um yeah, I can see that. But oh, that's interesting. That is interesting. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to watching the movie, going over a few more things, and uh doing the live episodes. So um I think yeah. I think I've said everything I need to say right now.
0: Um one more question then um sure. before we sign off. Do you think anybody needs a sequel to a clockwork orange? No. Should we have like a, a clockwork watermelon? No. Clock. Pick up twenty years later, see how Alex is doing. A clockwork apple? No. His droogs come back wanting to do one last heist. <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> okay. I, just, I honestly don't think so.
0: I did. I, I don't think so either. But you know, the just the way that it ends with that last chapter about Alex, like considering doing good, um, it just kind of rattled in my head this possibility of like, what is Alex like twenty years later or forty <laughs> years later? And, is there anything there? Probably not.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't, I yeah. Yeah, I don't think the author was trying to, um, build a cinematic universe. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I've got, a, I've got another point I want to make, but I'll make that on the live mm. wrap up. I got to, okay. I got to save some material for that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Save all your good material. <laughs> uh, all right. That brings, uh, this episode to a close as always. Thanks for listening. Um, we got a website. It's a uh, blah, 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 media.com. You can find all kinds of links to all of our other stuff there, as well as embedded players for this podcast and another one that I do called half Cut conspiracies. Um, if you like what we're doing and want to support us, you can sponsor us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash blah, 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 media. Uh, you can also buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash blah, blah, blah. We're on Facebook,
1: facebook.com slash things happen.
0: Yeah, and we're uh, email us, email us, uh, banthingshappen at gmail.com. Remember, uh, tell us if you are team bedroom or team apartment for the end of Chapter 5. Was Alex trapped in his bedroom or was Alex trapped in his apartment? Uh, we want to hear your hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. I think we've covered everything. Yeah. My name is Todd Sullivan. And my name is Oren Barter. You've been listening to When Ban Things Happen to Good People. Uh, Until next time,
1: go read a fucking book, y'all.